0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipness. Being an entrepreneur can be a very, very lonely place. We work very hard, we do our thing, and many times we're looking for people to support us but we're so busy doing what we're doing, it's, it's difficult to find that community, that group of people that really understand what we're going through, can hold us accountable, can be a, a shoulder to lean on when we need it, can punch us in the face a little bit when we need it. And today's guest runs an organization just like that, focused on successful entrepreneurs to be that group of people that doesn't have to come from their neighborhood, that they don't have to really go searching for, that they don't have to pick one by one. They have a built group for that. And so I'm really excited to talk about that today (laughs) because it's really important to have a support system in your life when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you're going through the growth phase. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Appreciate everyone listening today. As always, we're brought to you on C-Suite Radio and sponsored in part by Powertexting.com. Powertexting.com is a tremendous platform to stay in touch with Clients and prospects through text versus email. And stay tuned in a little bit. PowerTexting.com, as always, gives away a free hotel stay to one listener of every show. So stay tuned for that. In my business, it's all about proper planning, proper strategy to drive more clients into your business. And if that's what you're looking for, more clients, more revenue, grab my book at freebookfromadam.com. It is eight steps to make more money in your business, and it's step by step. Um, really easy to implement. Today's guest is an award-winning entrepreneur, sought-after growth consultant, speaker, trainer. For over a decade, he's owned multiple businesses, served as CEO of two large companies, leading both to record-breaking growth, including one with annual sales over 800 million. He has an R&D company called Bergflow. It specializes in helping entrepreneurs scare, scale their businesses Today's guest is Dirk Van Rienen, CEO of GoBundance. I appreciate you being here. I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: Hey, Adam, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be on here with you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, for those watching on video, you can see some uh, um, sort of jungle gyms and stuff in the background. Dirk's on vacation at Legoland with his family. But, uh, and you might hear some crows in the background. So don't freak out if you hear them. Uh, we're making this thing real. He's outside in nature. Hope you're enjoying yeah. the trip with the family.
1: Yeah, I figured uh, it's still early morning here at 7 a.m. So they're, they're still in bed and a uh, great way to kind of just spend the morning getting to know you and, and talking about business.
0: Definitely. And appreciate that. So tell us, you've run several businesses. You've been CEO of several businesses. Go Abundance, which we'll talk about in a little bit. You were brought into to run, which really speaks to just the success that you've had in others, knowing that you've got a skill set that, that they need in their business. Where did that all start for you?
1: I think my uh, my entrepreneurial journey started at a, at a young age. Um, my dad was uh, a business owner. So I kind of grew up in an entrepreneurial home. So I had the blueprint from a young age. Um, but it's it's always what fascinated me. From, from the time I was a kid, I loved business. Uh, I think when I was about 16 years old, I decided that I really want to be a business-like person, right? And um, so <clears throat> while I was going to school, I had the opportunity to Uh, buy a business that was owner finance that that I actually ran while I was going to college and that ended up being a ski shop, right? So at uh, at 20 years old, I was a business owner and um, I owned a recreational ski and snowboard shop and that's kind of really where my journey kicked off Um, and from there, it's gone, you know, gone in a lot of different directions. Um, At 27, that same business that I bought when I was 20 years old, um, ended up failing miserably after we um, doubled the size of the business, moved locations. Um, but a lot of a lot of things kind of started changing um, you know around two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight um, and then I found myself um, you know kind of like throwing my hands up and saying, like, Wow, what am I going to do now? Um, and I got into um, the asset liquidation business right so during during those years, being in the auction business was actually a really good thing because you have the uh, the recession going on, there's a lot of assets to sell, whether it's uh, real estate being bank owned or business liquidations so I started uh, really on the ground floor with another company and it was anything from sweeping out warehouses to, um, you know, just doing whatever needed to get done at that point because I was in this like really bad financial mess. But in in that journey, you know, 27 years old, I ended up getting my real estate license and that really kind of put me on a path of uh, trajectory that that kind of led me to where I am today. Um, And I ended up starting my own auction company after a couple of years and um sold that company last year so continue to do that for quite a few years and um learned how to start building real estate teams while i was with uh, keller williams realty and ended up uh building a a real estate team that i expanded into multiple cities and then i had the opportunity to become a you know broker uh, a ceo broker um with uh with keller williams and ran some large brokerages for them and uh about uh, the end of 2016, um, I was just, man, I was just tired of real estate. And uh, it was just one of these things that I think I truly found my, my calling and what I really wanted to go do after that, which is really help um, service-based businesses scale what they do. So in, in January of 2017, I started my company, Bergflow. And that's kind of what we do today is we scale service-based businesses. And most of our clients... Um, have at least hit a million dollars a year in revenue. Most of clients we work with are at least about, you know, two to five million dollar uh, businesses. But what we do is we help scale them. And a lot of times, same thing, um, you know, starting a small business, when you start off, you, you don't know what you're going to be running into, right? So you kind of go from place to place and you have these challenges and you hit these ceilings. Only for a lot of companies, when they start getting to the million, two million, five million dollar mark, those ceilings become very challenging. So we, we really help them uh, restructure and look at their growth. Uh, look at their personnel, high performance team building, things like that, and really kind of get them on track for that next leg of their journey. So that's that's kind of what my journey's
0: been like. Uh, appreciate the background, and, and there's so much there over this sort of 16, 17 seventeen-year journey. It all really started with a really bold move, probably on your side and on the seller side. You're 20 years old, and you decide to buy a business. Now, at the same time, you needed a seller who was willing to finance a 20 year old with very little business experience to run this thing. What made you take that bold step of really putting everything on the line to, to start a business? And as importantly, how did you convince someone to finance that effort for you at 20 years old without a ton of track record behind you? Yeah, I think
1: it was, it was kind of one of these things that it was a, a really kind of a perfect opportunity that came up. One is I really didn't evaluate the decision that much, right? For me, it was simple. Like I, I loved the ski and snowboard industry. Um, I loved doing that kind of work at that time. And I knew I didn't want to go get a traditional job after college, right? So for me, that was like a no brainer I was like, hey, if I can like get into being my own boss and running this, this business, like that's, that's perfect. Uh, from the seller standpoint, um, he lived half his half the year in Europe, half the year in the United States, and he was kind of looking to do something with the with the shop. He he wanted to sell it, and um, I keep in mind, I worked for there there for several years going to school. Right, so from the time that I first started going to school, I think this was during my third season at the shop. Where uh, the first season I just worked there, the second season I actually became the manager, and by the the end of the third season, which is my second year of managing it. Um, you know, it's kind of when we got in conversation and I think at that point he had seen, you know, that I had some track record running the business and, um, also I was his best option at that point. So I think both of us kind of looked at each other and said, let's do the thing. And that's, that's kind of how it played out.
0: <laughs> so the the, 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 sometimes the option closest to you is the best option. And, and so you had experience running it as a manager, but what did you notice? When was the first time you noticed being an owner was different than being an employee or being a manager.
1: That happened very quickly, right? So, I mean, it's, uh, I bought the business in, uh, at the end of April that year. And then during the summer, everything just kind of like really just slows down. Right. Obviously there's no skiing and snowboarding in the summertime. Um, but usually in about, uh, mid September, you start getting everything fired back up for the ski season. And I remember it was by this point, it was like mid October. and um, I needed to get a lot more inventory in, into the business. And I remember at one point I was looking, I was dealing with like a $10,000 problem and I needed to come up with $10,000 to, to pay for one of the orders. And I remember sitting there and just thinking like, Oh my gosh, like what am I going to do? And I remember that night. So, so vividly, right. I'm, I'm still at this point, I was 21 when, cause I turned 21 that summer. And I'm sitting there and I had just unboxed all of this inventory. And I'm just like sitting on a pile of boxes in my shop floor. And I've got this like $10,000 problem. And I mean, like, I just started crying. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so much stress. What am I going to do? And it's funny how, you know, looking back now, it's like, look, a $10,000 problem is not something to even like lose a minute of sleep about, right? And, you know, there's people that, you know, they have a million dollar problem and they don't stress about it. And then other people do. And I think it's just one of those functions of at every level of business, people have challenges. Right. But, you know, at that point I realized like, oh my gosh, man, like there, there is nobody else to go to, to say, um, Hey, we need to, we need to kind of transfer some money to the bank account or Hey, we need to get this covered or anything like that. You know, there wasn't any of that. And so actually, um, I went to uh, a bank that my parents did bank banking with. Cause I mean, at that point, because the, the business is owner financed, I didn't have to go through financing to get the, the business right. So I didn't have, right. I didn't have a lot, line of credit. Like, I had nothing. And I went to the banker, and uh, he ended up giving me, like, a $15,000 line of credit and ended up building a great relationship with, with the banker. But, I mean, that's the first time. I was just like, oh, man, like, there is no lifeline here. Like, I, I'm on my own, right? But, again, you know, I think being that young, you don't think about it. It's not, like, planned out. It's not the way that I would approach things today. But,
0: uh, you know, that was it. Well, I'm sure it was a huge life lesson and a lot of people in business and a lot of people listening here can probably relate to just having that problem where they don't know where to turn and whether it's a big problem or small problem, it's big to us at the moment, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: You found a solution to overcome it, which probably taught you a lot about overcoming problems in the future, I would guess, correct?
1: Yeah, I think as you kind of go along, um, I think people that, as I see it, because I study success at a high level because I'm always trying to see, okay, what is my path going to be on my entrepreneurial journey? And I think um, the people that I see that have, that have succeeded at like really, really high levels, oftentimes they have a lot of track record behind them. I think that they've really gone through the process and they face the situations and they've been in the stress. And when something happens, they don't have a knee jerk reaction to things like this is bad or this is even good. It's just like, this is. Now, how are we going to deal with it? What's going to be our plan of action? And they can really kind of have a process of how they proceed forward from from those kind of situations. And that's something that, um, you know, I think being an entrepreneur now for for 18 years, um, you know, for me has been that journey of like walking that out, but still there's certain situations that I come up against that I've never dealt with before, right? The cool thing now is that I've realized how important it is to surround yourself with the right people. Right. So my, my sphere of influence today are, are incredibly strong people, and um, they're, they're some of my top mentors that have helped me. So today, if I have something, the first thing I ask is, who do I need to talk to? And uh, like that's how I approach everything today. Right? Back then, it was more of like, what do I need to do right now? And I've, I've kind of been able to kind of mature my thinking and saying that it's not about what I can do. It's about who can give me the advice that I need, who can give me the connection that I need, who can tell me exactly what to do and how to do it if I need to do it. Right. But it's not for me to just always figure out.
0: No, that's, that's super great advice. And, and so important to have people in your life that you can turn to because we don't know everything and we can get in our own heads and we can get in our own business. And so I want to take you back to, um, the, the snowboarding business and heading into 2008, obviously a painful time for a lot of people in business, regardless of industry. Um, did you, obviously the economy was doing what the economy did. And if that didn't happen, that business that you doubled could have continued to grow. But in hindsight, did you see warning signs that you missed at the time?
1: Um, after the fact, a lot, right? But I mean, at the time, um, again, like I wasn't, I wasn't like a great business person or a great entrepreneur at the time. <laughs> I bought an existing business. I continued to grow it. I mean, we doubled the size and moved to a new location, all this kind of stuff, but I what I did do is I did take on debt during that time to be able to do the expansion and bringing all the summer lines and stuff like that. But I mean, we had two things that really kind of happened at the same time Is one under people in the Southwestern United States, remember this, but starting in 2005, we started going to a drought, right? So 2005, six, seven, eight, there was a drought that was going on. And when you have drought, there's not that much snow, you know, in the mountains, right? So when it's, when it's, you know, 40 50 degrees in december or in march in the mountains people don't go skiing right so the business was already down kind of during those years and then when obviously when the when the recession hit all of a sudden people's discretionary income to go skiing also cut out so the those things two things together just kind of led us to just bleed dry and i mean it was like a it was a really nasty thing and i think it's back then it was one of these things that i was kind of trying to do different things like market my business differently but I didn't have enough situational awareness on a bigger scale about what was really happening. And of course, when, by the time I had, I had to close my doors, uh, it was actually my landlord showed up one day and locked me out of my own business. Right. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know, waking up the next morning, you know, now I'm, you know, 27 years old, waking up the next morning, it's kind of like, you, you like what now? Right. I, I don't have, I don't have a business to go to my inventory is locked up. Right. I mean, I owe this money and, um, that whole experience really jarred something in me, right? To, and, and it still took years to kind of walk this out, but for me really to understand that now I, losing a business is real, right? Cause I mean, I got into business fairly easy, right? It wasn't that I had to like work years and work on financing and work on projections and all this kind of stuff. Like getting in was easy. And I mean, I, I ran it, you know, for, for quite a few years and uh, it was a great business, but, that moment when all of a sudden like you don't have anything and then I had to figure out, okay, how do I get my inventory out? And I mean, again, like I was just blessed that there were some amazing people in my life during that time that could help me out. There was an attorney that I just met um, maybe like three months before uh, and he was a great guy and he kind of started mentoring me and he ended up giving me, he ended up co-signing on a loan for me to at least pay my landlord to get my inventory out so I can liquidate some of that and, and kind of get out of the hole a little bit. But, um, you know, looking back, I think the, the first thing I realized is that I didn't give things much thought, right? Just like when I moved my business from, from one location to another, I didn't really really think through that very well. When I, when I added my, my new summer lines, I didn't think through it real well. It was more based on how do I feel about it? You know, what are my thoughts on it? And like, what do I think would be cool, right? So I didn't do the work to start really looking at information and data to make good decisions in business. And luckily I was blessed that, you know, still at a young age, I, uh, I, I had a business that failed. I mean, I was $300,000 in debt at 27 years old and I had nothing to show for it at this point. Right. So going, being in that situation. And then, um, after that, you know, as I started kind of getting, working for the auction company and starting my own auction company and kind of walking all that out, getting into real estate. I mean, you know, we went through a period of probably about seven or eight years of really hard living. and. Because uh, one thing we vowed is that we're going to pay back every dime of debt we had. And we it, were able actually to, to get that done um, the, the middle of last year. So that tells you how long it took us to pay all of that debt back. But we like uh, I think my wife and I, I mean, certainly for me, it was a very humbling experience. So it knocked out a lot of like ego and pride and things like that, which are, are really big killers of success in business, right? People wanting to look good and be right. Um, and I think I had a lot of that in my early 20s, right? Is uh, I wanted to look good and be right, and I was a business owner at a young age. And still, while my friends were going to college or while they were working, I was able to do things that they couldn't, right? So there's a certain like level of pride that came from that. But my experience of losing a business like just knocked all of that out, and it got to the point where I just realized that look, I can't do anything until I expect accept full responsibility for what happened, because. Even if there was more of a drought, even if the recession hit, when I looked around, there were other uh, shops that were in my industry that were still open. So even though I wanted to point at everything else and say, hey, that's why I failed, I ultimately came to the decision and said the only reason I failed was the, the decisions I made or did not make or the actions I took or did not take. And once I was able to kind of claim that full responsibility for that failure, it also gave me a new level of power to move forward in my life and you know after several years of like just being knocked down by debt and I mean like at this point we're facing like foreclosure on a continual basis and I mean it was just like a mess right so it just came to the point where I think my back was so far against the ground that I said that's it I'm done I'm getting out of this and in that moment really kind of came in in around 2012. Um, and since then, it's it's just been like this beautiful journey of like how my life has changed, my my family's life has changed. Um, but it, it came from that moment of just saying like, look, I if if I don't like take responsibility for it, I can't move this forward. And I think like that's probably the the biggest lesson that truly got taught to me and really internalized during that.
0: I appreciate the story, and I know it's it's always painful to to think about the things that we did wrong and to to put them out there. So I appreciate you doing that. It's interesting. Um, there was a, a billionaire, multi-billionaire named uh, T. Boone Pickens who passed away recently. And oh, I knew, I knew T. Boone. Oh, did you? Right. So yeah, did you he read was from it? the Emerald. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he wrote a letter, an open letter that uh, was supposed to be opened upon his death. And he, one of the lines in that letter said, I know the guy who created all of the success in my life and all the failures. It was the same guy. Right, and it took him a long time to realize that. I think you realized that at even an earlier age that he did, and that springboarded him to his success is understanding that. Obviously, has done the same for you. Now going on to, I mean, eight hundred million in revenue in any business, um, let alone a, a real estate business. You had a lot of people. You had a brokerage. You had the auction company. So you had businesses that you were able to take the the learnings, the pain, the responsibility and then springboard into two successful businesses. Obviously, the lessons were important. And as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs. No matter what happens in the past, they're going to start another business. So maybe you didn't have that fear that others may have. But is there one or two things that just told you that next time is going to be different?
1: Well, I think one of the the kind of really important moments – um, it was, it was probably about six months after my shop failed and my dad sat down with me, I still remember this, we were, we were, we we're in a Starbucks in a, in a Barnes and Noble and we're having coffee together and just having a chat and it was in town and he said, Hey, um, I know that you're kind of in a low place right now. And he said, but here's the thing that I want you just to hold on to is that you're going to have another chance. And when that chance comes up, when the time is right you need to go back out on your, uh, on, on your own in business again. And um, I think that, you know, I, I don't think I realized until years later how impactful that was that he was able to sit down and say, hey, you got kicked in the teeth and yet you need to get back up and go after it. And it wasn't like a, hey, you got to do it right now. I mean, he said, hey, when the time is right, because he knew that I was in a really bad financial situation. I really need to start <clears throat> getting some level of stability back in my life. But that was really impactful because, you know, through this journey, uh, I remember a couple of years. This was probably around probably 2012, right? So this has been a few years now that I've been kind of. Uh, I'm a real estate agent. I own this auction company. I'm kind of like back out providing for myself, my family. Um, but financially, we're still in massive stress. And I don't think like a lot of people knew back then like just how much, how deep in debt we were, and like how many people I owed money to. Um, but there were even other family members right that had come to me and said hey don't you think that you should just kind of give this up and go get a job so you can like really support your family right you know so at the same time it's kind of like you know i had certain family members that were just like so behind me on this and then others that you know their advice was like hey just go get a job right and i think it really kind of paints the dichotomy of you know kind of like your upbringing and you know how much that has to play because from the side of the family and say, go get a job. Like no, nobody had ever been entrepreneurs on that side of the family, right? They didn't understand. And I think like that's something that's important is that if you are an entrepreneur, you have to understand that you're, you're operating on a different blueprint from people that are simply, um, you know, working as, and and I say simply, right? There's people out there that do incredible work, but, Still, there's a mentality of like I'm always going to work for somebody else, and there's going to be a paycheck with benefits and guarantees and all this kind of stuff. It's a different mentality. If you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you you run against, you operate on a different blueprint, and you ha- therefore you have to operate differently. It's it's you think differently, you make decisions differently, you you operate differently, and you have to find the people that understand that. Um, you can't take advice from people that don't live in that world or haven't found success in that world because whatever they're giving you is going to be again, uh, biased towards a different way of thinking, right? So I was fortunate that I had enough people again that, that poured into me, but, um, it didn't take me long. I mean, it took about two years, probably about two and a half years from the time that I lost the first business till the time I launched the second business. And, um, in that time, uh, I think one, uh, and I don't know that I'll ever actually go back into retail ever. Um, cause, um, having that having that business fail um really i mean it was it was a tough thing and you know i decided i I did decide i'll never go back into retail but i all of a sudden now kind of being in professional services i really like that right and i was like man like here's something really cool like i don't have to go buy product and then you know discount the product and then people can compete with me on you know ebay or you know any of these other sites because that was kind of the popular thing back then is Towards the last couple of years in business, they would come into a specialty shop like mine, try on a pair of like five hundred dollar ski boots, and then they'd go try to find it online for cheaper after they fit it in my store, right? So I was like, I don't want to be in a situation when somebody can just adamantly out compete me like that. So I did like services, but for the fact that services are for the most part are very like hyper local, right? And that way they're they're going to have to choose a local competitor. And if I can learn how to compete at a high level, then I'm gonna have a high trajectory, which I which I did find, but I think like that's the thing is um, when when I felt confident enough that I knew what I was doing at a high enough level, um, in professional services, I immediately went out and you know launched a, a company that actually worked in tandem for with uh, with a real estate uh, brokerage, and um, so but I think it's just one of those things that the timing was right for me at that point.
0: Fantastic. And you mentioned you know, having that the right people to ask questions to, which leads us in to sort of the business you're doing now. Uh, we're talking to Dirk Van Rienen on the Entrepreneurs MBA podcast with Adam Kitness. I mentioned that powertexting.com gives a free hotel stay to one listener every show, uh, 17 different options around the country and world, four and five star hotels. So if you're interested in winning that trip, go to podcasttrip.com and enter to win. And Dirk, you You get into the the professional services world, you have success there, and now someone recruits you in. One of your clients says, hey, we need you to scale this business up for us. Mm -hmm. But You'd had other clients and you're helping businesses along the way. Number one, why choose this one or why choose one to really dig deeper in rather than just more of a consulting relationship? And what is it? that you can bring to this organization that told you, hey, this is this is the thing I need to do right now with GoBundance.
1: Yeah, so um, GoBundance is actually the second organization <laughs> we've done this with, right? So um, since launching in 2017, we've actually co-launched another business with uh, a client that, that we worked with. And um, I mean, that business in two years became, uh, we're, we're on a million dollar run right now uh, in two years, and it's also a professional services business. Um, and, and that's one of the things when I launched Burkflow, uh, we actually kind of, even though the, the company was a little startup company, then we, I just kind of drew this little box and I wrote Launchpad, And I said, one of the things that we'll do is we'll have a division within Burkflow that co-launches or co-partners with other people that have businesses that we want ownership in. Right. So I got really clear about, um, creating a big world for the people that live with me and not live, sorry, live with me, live with me and work with me. But right. uh, for, my, <laughs> for my for my team, I want to create a lot of opportunity for them. And, and part of that is, you know, creating more opportunities moving forward with additional businesses. So we started kind of uh, going down this path. And um, I had a relationship with one of the the owners of GoBundance, a gentleman named David Osborne. And I think he had seen You know, the success that we're having with some of these these clients that we're working with and we're starting to work with more learning based communities uh, that were also based on service service businesses. So he said, hey, we want to talk to you about an opportunity. And essentially, we kind of got together and um, he actually, I think, tested me for about um, about a year. He had me do different things like work, do some work for him in his private equity company, uh, train some of these top level members, which are called GoBundance Champions on performance team building. And then they said, hey, we want to we talk to you and BirdFlow about coming in and really kind of helping us scale this organization. And for me, that was like 100% in alignment with what my target avatar client is. Because um, I love working with just high level entrepreneurs that really want to do some amazing things. And people that are not just driven by money, but are also driven by purpose, right? So um, one thing that, I did, that I've done in the last three years, I've gotten exceptionally selective about who I take on as a client. And we even have a full one day process where we sit down with the company and we do a full evaluation on them. We do a behavioral assessing on them. And if, if at the end of the day, we don't feel like we're fit to work with them um, and we can't help them at the highest level um, or they're fit for us, we don't, we don't work with them. Right. So we go buttons one of these things that came along and I said, look, this is not just, it's not just the owners that are the kind of profile of people I want to work with. They have over 200 millionaire entrepreneurs that, are members of that organization. And um, so for a lot of reasons, I was like, man, this is, is absolutely somebody that I want to work with. And, um, you know, I've taken a really deep dive with them and it's, it's such an incredible op- uh, opportunity because here's a, 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 a tribe of people that calls himself a tribe. And here's a tribe that for the first time connected dots that I think have been so, uh, isolated for so many entrepreneurs. And um, Adam, you probably relate to this and and also relate to people that you've worked with, right? You've helped some people build million dollar businesses, right? Right? So you know that along that journey, um, a lot of times there's isolation that happens. And you start building a bigger business, you have more stress, you have more people. there's there's just a lot more pressure, right as as you start building these bigger businesses, and a lot of times um, what happens is because also, I mean, you may be making a lot more money. So now you and your family are maybe able to do things that your, your regular group of friends that you may have been hanging out with before you when, you, when you had the little startup business, you know, they may not still be able to do the things you do now. And or, you know, if you have a big win, like, hey, I just had this amazing thing happen. We made $300,000 last month, right? That's not something that you're going to want to talk about like at the dinner table right? Because you're going to feel kind of judged, right? So what GoBundance has done is said, look, we want to create an, an environment where people can really come together and they can they can talk about their successes. They can talk about their failures. They can talk about their current challenges. They can come together and do amazing things, go on, uh, uh, they call them bucket list adventures, right? These amazing opportunities where now you're in a group of people, you're in a tribe of people, the people that are experiencing the same level of success, the same level of challenges and, if anybody's listening, I don't want to. I don't want people to think like, oh, it's just a bunch of like happy-go-lucky millionaires that don't have anything to worry about. Like these are, for the most part, I mean, I think like the high majority of the tribe are all people that started the small business and built success from it. Like they know what it's like to not be to be able to pay the bank or pay your mortgage or, you know, be under huge financial stress or have lost businesses before. Like you know, these people have gone through that. They walked through this. So a lot of times, I mean, it, it may be that when we get together, um, you know, we talk a little bit about business, but we may talk about like, hey, um, how are we doing as dads right now? And how are we doing as husbands right now? Because our businesses are so demanding. How are we supporting our wives on this journey? You know, so there's just a very authentic level of conversation that happens and connection that happens. Um, but again, the, the cool thing, I've, I've mentioned this several times. Of like I was really blessed that at instrumental points in my life. I had the white right people around me to, to help me through that what's happened now is that that's just been X, you know, a hundred times. And, uh, the, the level of relationships just since I started working with GoBundance in my life has just flourished. And I mean, you know, we're taking vacations now with other entrepreneurial families. Um, you know, it doesn't matter kind of where I'm in the country. I know that there's going to be somewhere there's going to be a GoBundance family that we can you know hang out with, spend time with. I mean, um, you know, this while well, we were in California this weekend, we're going to go into a conference with probably about fifteen other, you know, GoBundance people, their families. So it's it's not just the, the men's group. We launched the women's group this year as well. But it's like there's a family element to it, right? So for again, for entrepreneurs, it's like you know we we kind of want to think a little bit differently and play a little bit differently and all this kind of stuff. So um, we we're able to do that with other people and and have that in the environment. So for me, for a lot of reasons, it was just a really cool opportunity to. Start working with GoBundance as a client and essentially step in as the contract CEO for them as well.
0: Absolutely. And as we led the show, with, it's being an entrepreneur is a really lonely place because maybe you don't want to tell people your successes. Certainly, you don't want to tell other people your problems, right? If we have your successful next door neighbor, maybe a doctor, maybe they're a lawyer, maybe they're a school teacher, you don't want to go to them and say, I have no freaking idea how I'm going to pay payroll next month, even right. if you've got a multi-million dollar business, there are bottlenecks, there are challenges that happen. So having that community of people that you can go to that understand the pain, that you don't have to be shy in front of, that you don't have to temper your enthusiasm in front of exactly. is, a, is an amazing thing. And, 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 and it's coming from that. So it started as a men's group and now you get Go GoBundance Women and you have Abundance, and I think there's another abundance Right, that, that brings more of the community together, and all of those different aspects are important. It's ju- just not you know men in testosterone, um, pounding their chest and crying, right? There, it's brain well, that,
1: I think like that's exactly it because I think, um, you know, and, and Adam, I don't know about you, but like growing up at a certain point, I thought, uh, especially like after my, my shop failed and all this kind of stuff, it's like when I was around uh, wealthy people. I kind of just automatically judge them in some level, right? So, oh, somebody lives in this kind of house, drives this kind of car or has this kind of business. Like they must be, you know, they must be lucky or they must just have, you know, this or that. So There's kind of a very judgmental thing from me because I didn't understand, you know, these people. I wasn't, I didn't even think I was worthy to, like I didn't think I was worthy to be in a relationship with them, right? And as, as a lot of my thinking has changed over the last five years, um, you know, and, and today I I spend more time with millionaires than, than anybody else. And I've just seen that, look, they, they are regular people, just like anybody else. They've got challenges, their kids get sick, you know, whatever it is. Like they deal with the exact same thing, but a lot of times it's kind of how they approach life and how they approach their thinking and how they approach, you know, just the way that they operate. That's so different. And because that's different, it gives them different results. Right. And that's where the big difference, I think, between people that, you know, struggle, you know, and people that really start having more success in life is, is they, again, they, they run on a different operating system. They think differently. So it's, it's amazing to kind of get into this group and see that it's not just a bunch of millionaires trying to show off how rich they are, right? Um, it's, it's so far from that. It's such a, it's such a authentic relationship. It's such a, um, you know, just people caring, right? And, and one of the pillars like is, you know, genuine contribution. And seeing like, hey, when we can get together, like at a summer retreat, we got together and I mean, you know, over a course of like three days just hanging out and like donating some money, you know, we raised $100,000 to support, you know, community entrepreneurship development within like lower socioeconomic circles, right? And it's just like, that is so cool to be able to sit with people and say like, look, we just raised $100,000 that's going to go change people's thinking and change their their you know, uh, way they operate and give them a future and maybe becoming entrepreneurs, right? So right. It, it, it it's really cool when you can just kind of show up and be with people like that and there's no judgment around it. And you got people that, go abundance that are worth a million dollars and you got people that are worth $150 million, right? But it's like, at the same time, you can just come together and it's just like a level playing field of like helping each other out, supporting each other, building each other up. So it, it's really cool when you can get around people that are so far ahead successfully than when you are. And essentially, they're giving you a, a look at like, hey, what does life look like at that level? What does life look like at that level? And what you can do then is you can take that and, and immediately apply it to your life, right? And I think like that's, that's the thing that I've learned um, is that, man, as an entrepreneur, I think we have this naturally ingrained tendency to want to wanna figure things out and problem solve and jump in and do the hard work. And yet, if you can learn from really successful models of people that have succeeded before you and failed before you, and I think the first time I ever heard that was like from Tony Robbins, right? And he said, like, look, stand on the shoulders of giants, right? And it's like, you can just accelerate your growth and your trajectory in your life so much faster when you're around other people that have done
0: it. That's so true. And you can find out more about GoBundance at GoBundance.com and goabundancewomen.com. And uh, you can get um, the organization's book, Tribe of Millionaires, through the website, um, and learn much more about it. Last question for me, because I think it's what you've learned. And now through your successes and through abundance, you have a number of arrows in your quiver or tools in the toolbox or whatever metaphor we want to use. When you run into tough times in the business, it could be a tough decision. It could be a pivot point, whether it's in one of your other clients or whether it's in GoBundance. How do you choose whether, do you go back to the, the snowboard shop and the failure and say, how do I overcome this? Do you go to the, the real estate brokerage where you were having t- tons of success and how can you springboard? How do you utilize all of the people and all of the knowledge and experiences in your life to overcome difficulties that may come up day to day or month to month?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that I do is um, I exercise extreme clarity about what's actually happening, right? So that's the first thing I do. Whenever I'm faced with a decision now, I really drill down in clarity. I want to make sure that I understand kind of like the micro and the macro aspect of what's happening. Like I need to understand down to the nuts and bolts what's going on, and I need to understand like big picture what's going on. The next thing that I look at is where do I want to be from the situation? whatever happening, now I'm going to get really clear on, okay, what am I moving towards and what does that look like? And once I have clarity on those two things, now um, I know in my network, who do I need to go to? Um, what conversations do I need to have? Uh, what models do I need to look at? And I think all of that is always rooted in for us, like really coming back to like our, our, our core values, our mission, and our vision for what we're doing in business. And I've learned that, look, if we have um, – kind of like I said, like Ray Dalio talks about this, having a set of principles and his book principles that govern the way that they make decisions. And I think when you start building an infrastructure like that, a framework of that, how that looks like in your life, it makes decision making so much easier because um, you may not always make the best decision, but you're not going to make like the wrong decision. Right. And I mean, sometimes I think that, um, if we don't look at our values, if we don't look at our mission and vision of like why we're in business and what we're moving towards, if we don't look at what's happening, we don't look at where we're going, it's going to be really easy to make a lot of wrong decisions. Right. But um, again, there could have been a, maybe a better decision, but I'm still going to make a decision that's going to move me forward on my path of trajectory. And so that's kind of what my model today of, of what I look like is, I mean, I, I don't act quite as fast because I, I have a natural tendency to want to jump before I'm ready. And there's, there's certain times you can do that, but um, I've learned more to, on decisions to slow my decision-making down, get clarity, find out where I'm going, connect with the right people that can, that can counsel me and mentor me or coach me in that decision, and then start taking action with my team.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic insight. I really appreciate it, Dirk. Thanks for being on today and telling your story and your journey
1: very cool adam i really appreciate it man thank you so much for uh, for letting me be on and sorry about all the background noise
0: <laughs> no worries no worries it's uh for those of you who can see it's uh it's a little bit hazy but it looks like blue sky pointing through so you'll have a pretty good day here at lego land <laughs> yeah. um, thanks to Dirk Van Renan. thanks everyone for listening today and hope you join us on the next episode you've been listening to the entrepreneurs mba Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.